Thank you so much, Christelle, for coming on the show today. I, I really appreciate you taking the time. I've uh, been looking forward to the conversation. Your company, Cody, is one that I found about a year ago. Uh, you're obviously in the remote work space uh, and have been there well before the whole world kind of suddenly went remote as a, as a result of COVID, of course. Uh, but I think what you're doing is really interesting, and I'm excited to kind of hear your entrepreneurial story and talk a bit about Cody. Um, so first and foremost, just appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me, Jake. I'm very excited as well. Great. So I think uh, a good place to start for, for those who don't know you would be to talk uh, first kind of about your own story, just starting as, as kind of early as you're willing to go. I love hearing, uh, you know, especially with entrepreneurs, like I consider myself one, um, how they kind of got that bug in the first place or like whether they were kind of born with it and how that kind of showed up over the course of their life story. And then, um, you know, later in the conversation, we can introduce Cody, but for those tuning in, it's basically uh, Airbnb meets WeWork, I think. And so it's, um, you know, provides opportunities for people to work outside of their home and in others' homes. And with that context, you know, we'll obviously get to talking way more about the company, but I uh, would love to kind of start and, and talk about your story. Thank you. Yeah, so my story, um, I guess my, my, background, my background is in urban planning and um, environmental engineering. And I've always been obsessed with making cities a better place to live, especially neighborhoods, our local neighborhoods being more sustainable um, and being a better place to work and live. Um, and so back in 2018, I was doing a master's in city planning at UC Berkeley. Um, and I couldn't wrap my head around the fact that there was a huge housing crisis in San Francisco, but our homes are just sitting empty all day long. So we're paying so much money for that asset that is just completely underutilized for a long amount of time every day. And um, I didn't, you know, go into co-working until I actually had the experience myself. I struggled working from home. It was uh, mainly the isolation it was a a big challenge for me. I tried coffee shops and they were just so noisy and unreliable. And I realized, you know, from a city planning standpoint, all the co-working spaces and offices are typically outside of residential area. They are downtown. And so they force you to commute there, which kills the whole point of remote work. Um, so quickly, my favorite workspace became my friend's homes. And I felt just much more productive and happier overall. And I could literally just walk down on the street and knock at my neighbor's house and, and feel more inspired and productive there so that I have a physical kind of separation between my home and, and my, my workplace um, and be surrounded with other people. And so I started to imagine this, this platform where you can uh, basically unlock the doors of your neighbors during the day and get work there um, so that anyone can literally walk to work in their own neighborhoods and it doesn't need to be downtown. Because the reality is that 99% of Americans live in a residential neighborhood um, and I don't live within three miles of a downtown office or co-working space. Yeah, so, uh, and that all makes sense and certainly uh, serves as like a bit of an origin story for Cody. Um, but if, if it's all right with you, I'd love to hear like, you know, earlier on before you even went into urban planning, what were like the seeds of, you know, elements that made you interested in kind of looking at cities in this light and going and studying that um, before you kind of had these insights and decided that like Cody was the right way to kind of apply your interests? 
Yeah, I guess very early on, I, I'm an only child and um, I was always very sad not to know my neighbors. Um, and every time we were moving apartments or a building, like I would try to connect with my neighbors, but it was very uh, difficult. Um, and so in that regard, like I, I kind of had that, that, that in the back of my mind, like how can I better connect with my, the people from my neighborhood um, and felt like he was kind of broken. Um, I was born and raised in France, by the way. So I'm talking about my experience over there. Maybe it's a bit different here. And um, from there, I, I, I became more and more interested in architecture actually early on. So the houses and, and you know, how people live, spend like sometimes generations living in that one space. Um, I find it beautiful. It has a lot of like soul. So I'm, I'm definitely in love with like residential spaces <laughs> very, from very early on. Um, but I was very good in math and physics. So I, I did an engineering school. And over there, I specialized in environmental sciences. And climate change is a huge issue. Um, there's a lot of things to be done, but I always missed the social components and also feeling that you have an impact fast on people's life. Uh, they can see the results of what you're working on uh, pretty, pretty quickly. Um, and so I wanted to kind of approach that issue of sustainability from a city angle um, because there's a lot of waste in our cities from even just looking at commute um, and how we use cars. Um, and that would trigger, you know, kind of a big change and the, that, makes more sense to me uh, with my personality than, than doing math um, and physics on climate change. And so from engineering school, I decided to apply to uh, um, this master program um, in city planning. And that's how I got to the United States. And when I came here, I think I had kind of a cultural shock. Uh, cities are very different uh, between the US and Europe, at least France. Um, there's a term that says that uh, cities in, in, in Europe are more kind of mixed use where you have a mix of residential and commercial spaces. And here it's by zones, like you have a, a huge residential zone and then a huge commercial zone. And everyone is commuting from one to the other every day. And so one is completely under, underutilized during the day and the other one is completely underutilized during the, the night. And I think my engineering brain like started to feel very frustrated by that and didn't seem to be to make sense. Um, and that's that's kind of how I started to, to think about those issues of like individualized spaces and how can we unlock the right space at the right place um, for people instead of forcing them to go far for, you know, a desk and Wi-Fi. Yeah, and that, that's interesting comparing Europe to the US in terms of the cities with the, uh, the more mixed version in Europe, it sounds like of commercial versus residential. That's not something that I, I'd really realized or explicitly thought about in the past, but it's definitely interesting. Um, when you picked up and came to the U.S. for uh, you know for your studies, was that something where you uh, had always kind of had your eyes set on coming to the U.S., or it kind of came up somewhat serendipitously and you decided to pursue it? I'm curious what. Uh, what drove you to come to the States and then after your degree to, to stay here and start a company here rather than, than going back to France? Yeah, so it's really 
um, serendipity. Um, I applied to a, a lot of different master programs in city planning. Um, initially, I actually wanted to go to uh, to um, Netherlands. They had a really good program over there. Um, but Berkeley accepted me, and so I went to Berkeley. Um, and that definitely changed my life. And, and if, you know, at, at this age, it changes the life of anyone, right? But uh, Berkeley has a fascinating way of, of looking at cities and, and tackling issues from a very social standpoint. Um, and so that really kind of made a big difference um, with my, my engineering background. And that, that was very helpful for me to be able to see cities in a, with that social angle. And, um, and Berkeley is also an amazing place for entrepreneurs. Uh, there's so many startups coming out of Berkeley and entrepreneurship programs. Um, but during my time over there in city planning, I um, signed up for a program that was a fellowship with the Ellen MacArthur Foundation, which is basically a think tank on circular economies. And that's, uh, that's actually how kind of like the, the gist of Cody was born. I, I did that fellowship for a year during my, my master's uh, my, my city planning program. And um, circular economies is that whole concept that you can create virtuous loop within a certain place. Um, and they look at that typically for products, you know, like clothes and, uh, and uh, plastic and things like that. Um, and it was the very beginning of looking at circular economies for cities. And that's, that's how I kind of like from a very theoretical standpoint came to looking at land uses and zoning as a, in a dynamic way, thinking, it, you know, it doesn't make a lot of sense for zoning to be in stone. Like people have different needs every day, right? Every, every hour, almost of the day, they sleep, they have food and then they work and then they have food again and then they sleep. Um, so why one space should have only one purpose? it can be more dynamic. And so I looked at like circular economies in that regard, like how can we make land uses more circular? Um, and that was like the very kind of like theoretical layer of Cody. Um, and from there I met an entrepreneur who told me, look, don't do research, like go try it out. And um, so for my second year at Berkeley, I changed all my classes and I just went towards the entrepreneurship road and wanted to really try out to repurpose a home into a local work hub for, for professionals from the neighborhood. Yeah. And I think it's interesting because it, uh, it kind of combines your, your interests in city planning and making cities generally better with um, the environmental aspect, you know, people, if they're walking to a local Cody, it's better for the environment, obviously, than all the traffic we deal with. Uh, with commute times and everything like that. And then lastly, um, the community aspect that you mentioned from like when you were a kid with, you know, not being able to interact with your neighbors as much as you might've liked. I think a lot of people can certainly sympathize with that these days, especially being locked down um, with COVID or at the very least um, dialing down a lot of their, their physical, you know, social interactions in, in the real world and, and moving a lot towards kind of digital mediums and, and interacting with people on, on text or Twitter or zoom or whatever it might be. Um, so it's, it sounded like a great uh, match once you kind of formed the idea from your own working remotely experience to, to be able to go and start a company like this. It, it seems like it uh, checked a lot of boxes off, off of your list of interests and then uh, made sense to, to go pursue it. I think that uh, one thing that's 
that's interesting in particular is, is you talk about how like, you know, you're paying these really high prices for, for rent for, you know, a, a small apartment in the Bay area or, or whatever it is. And uh, it's kind of just sitting there all day while you go to the office and work. Um, and, you know, you saw an opportunity to uh, actually make your kind of living space, make you some money while, you know, you're not using it by being able to, uh, you know, have people come and, and use it as a workspace during the day. Um, and I kind of compare it to, I think about like one of the most intriguing companies to me overall is Tesla. Uh, and, and the most intriguing concept I think of theirs that I've been, it's made me like really bullish on the company for years and it still hasn't really come to fruition yet, but the company's obviously realized a, a lot of appreciation in their value. Uh, the idea is that, you know, they can overnight kind of deploy via software um, autonomous driving in all of their kind of cars, or at least a lot of their cars that people already own in their garage. And it's like a similar thing where uh, the cars that people have, you know, for most of the day parked either in their, in their garage or in their office parking lot could all of a sudden be turned on to go basically serve as like an autonomous self-driving Uber during the day. And I think, you know, cars and houses are things that we use for a relatively small amount of time and then they sit dormant for the rest of time and to be able to kind of turn them on. I think, you know, Tesla's trying to do that for cars and, and if you guys can figure out a way to do that for houses, that would certainly seem to, uh, to represent a, a lot of value. So maybe it would be best at this point to kind of talk about just like your introduction to Cody, I've kind of hinted at aspects of it, but uh, for, for those listening in, would love to hear kind of your, your initial introduction. For sure, yeah. A lot of people describe it exactly the way you did. Uh, Airbnb meets WeWork. It's the, you put it in three words. Um, but Cody is the first company to offer access to daytime workspaces in private homes, giving people the opportunity to walk to work in their own neighborhoods. And so the service is designed for people who find it difficult to work from home every day, but are interested in commuting to a faraway office or working space that's typically downtown. And so on one hand, um, hosts make extra revenue during the day uh, by just sharing unutilized spaces in their homes, typically dining room, living room. And on the other hand, uh, the members are typically remote workers from their local neighborhood who want to get out of their space a couple of days a week. And um, now with the pandemic, actually, like we went, we started to have a lot of demand on the company side. And uh, we actually kind of work directly with companies so that they can offer an employee benefit that is like access to local workspaces in your neighborhood for their employees. And so we create kind of hubs for them, company exclusive hubs in the neighborhoods of the employees. So it sounds like there was a bit of a shift in like the kind of initial flywheel that you guys were going after where initially I think you, you probably were just kind of going for regular consumers who, who might want to host uh, one of these Cody uh, communities versus, uh, versus, you know, people who want to get out of their house and go, maybe they don't want to host, but they want to go work in some of these places. And then with COVID and, and the sudden shift to remote and companies not really knowing what to do, it sounds like you had some demand from companies to kind of help them give their employees uh, an alternative to working at home where they could kind of go to places in their local communities. Um, what was kind of the, you know, what was, if, if that's right, in terms of describing a little bit of a transition, what was that transition like? Uh, you know, how is it kind of 
changed because of COVID? And, um, you know, why do you think going through the companies is, is kind of the better model at this point? Yeah, um, I think you put it well. So long term, our vision hasn't changed. We want our mission is that anyone anywhere can have access to equity, can walk to work, whatever their neighborhood may be, whatever the company may be, even if they don't have a company, they may be a self-employed person. Um, so that, that vision hasn't changed. Um, but short term, um, co-working is definitely more sensitive because of um, risk of exposure to the virus. And there's less of a, of a concern and, and a high demand for coworkers to go together to, to one location, right? And so for the company, it's, um, it's really impactful to offer equity as an, a benefit so that it's, it's actually solving the struggles of working from home and the fact that this is not as inclusive to just let your employees work from home. Some can't because they don't have the right conditions at home. Um, while you still have that flexibility of um, really placing the hubs in the neighborhoods of the employees instead of forcing them to go to a downtown space. Um, and so you have kind of the, the best of both worlds, like between remote work and, and having a physical space to go to. So I think that that value prop of creating that workplace opportunity um, is very strong right now for a lot of companies that are transitioning from office first to remote first or to hybrid work uh, models. And we kind of the only one who can really deliver that value prop because uh, the others are typically commercial spaces that are downtown. And so it would, it would make people commute, which is the number one reason why people don't want to go back to the office. Uh, so I think that's, that's what created that shift, both the, the, the difficulties with the risk of COVID for pure co-working uh, models and second, the, the fact that the, the value prop for companies is much stronger now that they are actually shifting the whole remote, the whole workforce towards uh, hybrid or remote work models. And it's actually a bit safer than any other kind of out of home option, right? Like the office with, you know, a hundred or a thousand people probably is, is less safe generally. And then these kind of corporate centers within, uh, you know, in downtown and everything like that, it sounds like having small communities in people's homes where you can kind of, uh, you know, keep people honest with different review systems and, and whatever else, you know, you guys might have in place. It sounds like that's probably actually kind of the safest first step in getting back to working kind of together rather than just kind of by yourself at home. Definitely, definitely safer because also you're not using public transportation. Typically you walk or bike to that location. So you remove that risk of like the transportation to go to that space. And second, as you said, like no, no elevator, no lobbies and nor very few people. It's like a small group of five, six people, typically instead of hundreds in an office. But something else that is, I think, important to emphasize is that it's also about attracting and retaining talent. There's a huge shift right now towards remote work and um, there's going to be a split between the companies going back full time to the office and the ones that embrace flexible work like uh, Twitter, Microsoft. Um, and the, I, I believe that the best companies will offer the best workplace benefits possible. And so that it's pretty clear in the data, more than 60% of people want to stay fully remote and 72%, according to Slack, um, Future Farm, want a hybrid model where they spend a couple of days at home and a couple of days somewhere else. 
So if you want to retain those talents, we tend to be millennials or like a, a, bit, a bit younger generations, you have to kind of like let them be flexible and choose where they work and live uh, while supporting them. And, and that's exactly where equity fits uh, for those companies. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I, I mentioned before we started recording that the the reason I, you know, reached out to, to have you on was that this was an idea that, and I discovered you guys like a year ago, and this was an idea that I had thought of pre-COVID as the best solution in my mind to uh, giving a large and growing population of remote workers, which at the time was already large and, and growing very quickly at an accelerated rate. But now it's just like, you know, overnight, the whole world seems to be remote and maybe it'll, you know, go back a little bit from where it is now. But, um, you know, I think like once people have learned to kind of see with the lights off, uh, you know, people don't necessarily want to turn them back on right away. Uh, people actually have realized that like working remote while challenging in some ways is actually really nice. You can like go take a walk at lunch or like work out or, you know, you just have a lot more control over your time, I think, and you're not wasting time with commutes. So I'm curious, um, you know, I, I had my own reasoning why I arrived at at this kind of Airbnb model being uh, the most exciting solution to me. But I'm curious when you kind of looked at the problem in the first place, how you decided specifically that like people opening up their homes for other people to come work in was the best solution among, you know, other options such as like WeWorks and, and things like that. I think it's very similar to your conclusion and, and how you came to this similar concept when you found Cody a year ago. Um, I was working from home and I struggled with the isolation. I couldn't see myself spending five days a week by my, alone in my home every day. That sounds, just seemed very sad and depressing. And it does create a lot of uh, mental health issues. So working from home full-time can work for some people, but for majority of people, it's, it's actually a struggle. Um, so that's like the, the kind of the first option by default, just staying by yourself at home. And I, I don't think that's sustainable. The second uh, is the coffee shops. And I tried them, but it's, it's noisy. It's unreliable. You have to fight for every single thing, like the Wi-Fi, the, the seats. You can't even go to the restrooms uh, without your computer. Then you lose your seat. It's just a nightmare. And then it closes very early. Um, I couldn't see myself doing that on a regular basis, neither. Um, and the third option, as you said, yes, is a WeWork or an office or shed or private office. And the issue with that is that they, they are all clustered downtown. They're not in a residential neighborhood because of zoning. And so it does create that commute that you, you're trying to avoid when you're remote. Um, so the main value of remote work is, is, uh, is in existence with uh, a commercial co-working space or office space. Um, plus it's expensive actually. <laughs> so for company when they use Cody you know they can save up to 60 70 percent of their real estate costs and that's not negligible and that's part of our business model is because we use underutilized supply and um, it helps dramatically the hosts also uh, cover rent or mortgages so from those free options working from home coffee shops or co-working spaces um none of them were perfect or, and, and each of them had a big, big drawback. And I kind of had to create a way for, for my, for me to like be happy working remotely because I love my neighborhood. I want to be able to work here. I don't want to commute and, and, 
and have the same life than anyone else, right? And even then you become an office worker. Um, and for that, like, that's why I started to work for my friend's place. And I realized after my first session at the home, I realized we surrounded with beautiful houses that are just sitting empty. They have Wi-Fi, they have sofa, they have a work table. It's, it's, a, it's just a matter of like kind of standardizing them a little bit so that the experience is productive and consistent for all our members. But outside of that, like the, the opportunities and possibilities are massive. It's massive. And you can just walk down the street and you can look around you I challenge anyone hearing this podcast to like walk down the street and look around and you'll see all those empty homes and some of them look great and you would love to go there. And it's just, it was not possible without a, a platform like Cody to open those doors. And uh, once you open the first door, like then it becomes very frustrating not to be able to open more doors and have access to that possibility uh, of working somewhere else in a different home. Uh, wherever you are and so that really pushed me to like just create it because you know, I wanted it for myself <laughs> yeah and I think that's often the uh, the reason why a lot of companies that end up being super successful start is because people want it for themselves um, I really like like I said I I, uh, I enjoyed you know the the concept and the idea and, and believed in it strongly uh, a while ago but um, I'm, I'm glad to have had you on, on the podcast today to be able to hear your vision in response to some of these questions. And, uh, I think that it's, you know, we're, we're aligned in a lot of ways in, w- in which we think about it. And, uh, you know, I, I can't have a conversation like this with every founder because I don't really understand, uh, exactly, you know, why they're doing what they're doing. And maybe I don't understand, understand exactly why, why you're doing what you're doing either. But, uh, so far it sounds like, uh, almost every point that you're saying like resonates, very clearly with me as well. And uh, I, I can't help but be excited about the company. I think people listening uh, definitely should go check it out and see if it's available, you know, near them or, or if they can help, you know, start the flywheel in their local area. Um, yeah. A couple a couple things that I, uh, I would add just because I, I did kind of spend some time thinking about these things and looking into some of the, the available data was that, you know, to your point, uh, or several points, which I think were, were really great. But, um, you know, the, the issues with working from home by yourself, which I imagine more people are doing now than, than ever, even in just percentage terms of the total remote population. So like when I looked at it like a year ago, it was like 83%, I think, were working, uh, of remote workers were working, you know, from home. Uh, and then it was like, single digit percentage in, in WeWorks and other type WeWork competitors. And then even, you know, 3% or something even less in, in cafes and then maybe like libraries or like an other category was a percent or two, but it's just like an overwhelming vast majority of people working at home. And then uh, on the other side of that, you have like the number one complaint of people who are working remotely overall is that they're lonely and that they have distractions at home and that, uh, you know, they, they struggle to unplug and, and things like this. And these are all clearly, um, you know, symptoms of, of the issues of working by yourself at home all the time. And I think to your point, like people don't necessarily want to work out of their home all the time, but the flexibility to walk down the street and be with some people who are also working, it's like a super intriguing proposition. And then the point you made about like, 
you know, you can also pass on the cost savings to maybe it's the companies now, maybe it's the the people working later, but you don't have to pay for these big buildings and, you know, expensive yeah. cities to, to host WeWorks. You can just, you know, utilize the value that's already existing. Exactly. Uh, I love how you put it. And, and also by using a concept like Hoodie or a platform like Hoodie is that you are contributing to the local economy, which is something is very close to my heart. Um, by using your host place, like a host place uh, as a workspace for you during the day, you're helping them pay the rent and mortgage. Uh, plus, you're actually helping local businesses get some income during the day. If you go to a WeWork downtown, you're going to actually help like downtown businesses that are typically big brands, uh, which is fine, but like you're not helping your neighborhood thrive. And um, what I love about this, this circular economy, you know, concept applied to Cody is that it's, it's locals, it's for locals, by locals. And you boosting the local local economy by at least 2.3 acts, according to what we estimated, um, to for local residents, but also for local businesses who benefit from you staying there to 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 work uh, every day. Yeah. So another um, an interesting aspect of it, I think, is um, you know people, despite all of the uh, all of the reasons we've described for which it makes a ton of sense. Uh, people may have some sort of hesitancy to like going and working in basically a stranger's home. And over time, they can get to feel like they're part of community and neighbors and things like that. But at the start, they're a stranger. Um, I know like when I tried to describe it to some friends, they were like, nah, like not not really interested in that. Uh, what are some of the, the challenges? I, I know, you know, we've talked a lot about all the reasons it makes great sense. But what are some of the challenges in the early phases of kind of um, you know, convincing people that this is actually like a really great solution to whatever, um, you know, weaknesses there may be of, of them having to work from home all the time. Yeah, in the very early days, so let's say it was two years ago, two years and a half ago, uh, a lot of people thought I was crazy. And uh, it really divided people. So half of them would be like, this is genius. And the other half would be, this is completely crazy. I'll never do this. This is awkward. And um the good news is that Airbnb did that before us and Uber as well. And a lot of, it's very famous that Airbnb founder, uh, Ranceski, uh was called crazy for a long time for the first few years in the company. And then now it's like completely mainstreamed and normal. Um, and, um, and I think it's, it's just about creating that habit and having that first experience that completely breaks them the blockers that you may have psychologically because at the end of the day this is just another it's, it's just a space um, that has character and soul um, and then we at Cody we make sure that you know we we have trust and safety as top of mind um, to to create a really safe community um, and always have a consistent experience I think that's kind of the key for those type of marketplaces like Uber Airbnb or like ours or get around Right, you want always to have a clean space and then Wi-Fi above 100 megabytes and Nespresso curry coffee machines. And so we standardize the experience so that you really create that consistency and build that trust between the members and the hosts. And once you have that first experience, you realize it's actually a VIP experience. It's much, much better than going to a commercial space, in my opinion, at least, 
you welcome as if you were a VIP person and you can walk in work and you have your little work nook um, and, and everything is ready for you. Um, that experience, once you have it, I think changes people's opinion um, about the, the first awkwardness. And there was al there's always an awkward moment the first time you do it, obviously, because it's new and it's, it's, uh, you need to think outside of the box. Um, but now, you know, that literally everyone is working from home. I think half of US workers currently work from home. More and more people understand that homes can be workspaces. Um, and there's, there's nothing against kind of like going someone else home and that's another workspace It's just not your home. And so actually it feels more professional than being in your own home psychologically. Yeah. And I think there's something to be said for just like getting out of the house. It's a different mode and you can kind of get home afterwards and shut down a little easier, more like you can do when you kind of get home from the office. Um, I've been, exactly. you know, at home basically all year and, uh, I'm just like on all the time for the most part for better or worse. Um, but it's definitely a bit challenging. Um, I think the point that you brought up about like Airbnb having kind of broken, maybe the, the, uh, a poor psychology a little bit that people had some, you know, reservations about being in other people's homes. I, I thought about that being even extended to the, the concept that like with Airbnb, you're, you're like sleeping in people's beds with Cody. Oh, yeah. You're just, you're just sitting at a desk or sitting on a couch. It's a much actually, you know, if you're, if you're comfortable with an Airbnb and, and I'm in an Airbnb as we speak, I'm very comfortable with Airbnbs. Uh, and I think most people are, or a lot of people are. Uh, so if you're comfortable sleeping in, in someone else's houses in their bed, uh, you should reasonably be pretty comfortable kind of working at, at a workstation in their house. Yeah, definitely. And the fact that we have now more and more companies trusting us to provide spaces for their employees prove that, you know, if a company can trust us, like mainly anyone can, can, can do it. Um, and, um, and this is a, a cultural shift as well. Um, but yes, even for our host, Airbnb is much more of a hassle and um, you have that psychological barrier of having someone sleep in your bed that you don't have with Cody because it's literally a living room or dining room during the day. And these are not tourists who can throw a party and uh, in your home. It's uh, local residents like, like your neighbors who just want to spend a couple of hours in a quiet space to get work done on a laptop. It's a very different experience. Right. So you talked a bit about how it's actually a more kind of uh, personalized and comfortable experience than even a, uh, a WeWork or, or something like that, certainly uh, more than like an office setting. Um, and it makes sense. I think, you know, on the one hand, homes are just more homey. Uh, and then on the other mm -hmm. hand, uh, you can provide way more optionality to people um, by opening up you know, by serving as a marketplace for every home to open up rather than if you're WeWork, you have to kind of explicitly design, you know, different settings to appease different people and, and things like that. Um, I'm curious kind of to that point, what some of the initial initial Cody's have kind of, you know, had as, as their defining features, uh, the ones that kind of, 
you know, how, how do they differentiate themselves? So you mentioned that like there's certain things that they have in common and you've kind of standardized certain aspects of like the comforts of things you need to be able to work productively and things like that. But what are some of like the differentiating kind of special factors that have emerged uh, in some of the Cody's that have come up to date? Pets sometimes. Uh, you can have a dog for the day or a cat for the day. Um, you know, Cody, that was kind of like a, a fun fact that became super popular in the early days of Cody because it's it's fun. Like you can go to a, your neighbor's house or Cody and um, and uh, enjoy the company of, uh, of that dog, uh, which for dog lovers was a, a great selling point that you would never have in a, in a traditional office or co-working space. Um, but more seriously, the way uh, we treat our hosts is is very kind of hands-on so first there's like a strict vetting and screening process because this is not an Airbnb again this is really for work purposes so the space needs to be comfortable and have kind of qualities for productivity typically it needs to be bright and have big windows and that's how like you can feel more inspired Um, as you said we don't design the spaces but we can pick them and select them based on those qualities. Cause there's a ton of, of hosts out there and tons of homes that um, have those qualities and can be a Cody host. And then once we, we select the space and the host, um, we standardize the experience, as you said, uh, with a couple of kind of productivity standards um, to make sure it's a consistent experience and it's a productive experience for anyone with the coffee, the the, the Wi-Fi speed, the power outlets, access to the space. Um, and every space has its character and its soul. And so members can can look on the platform and choose the one that they like the most. And typically members tend to use two free spaces um, and they kind of like uh, change depending on um, where they want to go today, right? Like some people like to just stay in the neighborhood Others want to go to a new neighborhood and explore the cities a bit more, the city a bit more, or go close to their friends or uh, close to the the kids if they childcare and stuff like that. So they create, like as you said, like a lot of optionality and, and flexibility for the worker. What makes Cody very different from an experience standpoint to a commercial space is the coziness element for sure, um, the uniqueness. It's much more inspiring in the sense of like you're gonna have amazing views and great design. People spend so much time designing their homes. They are beautiful already. Uh, A lot of them are amazing. Our best hosts are typically designers. They have gorgeous homes um, and you would not change a thing in that space. Um, And then then the the location is obviously always a big plus, right? So the, the big difference is that you can actually walk down the street and find uh, or space instead of going far uh, for a commercial space. That's interesting that your uh, your most popular hosts or, or your best hosts are, are designers. That's like it strikes me that that's like a very specific. You know, there, there's only so many designers out of like all people, and it seems to me that this could kind of appeal to anyone who wants to make use of their home. Just like you know, you said you would like to kind of put your home to use when you're paying high rent for it, and I'd like to do the same. Um, but how did kind of designers emerge as like the leading uh, type of, you know, category of host? I think they have a lot of 
aesthetic taste, obviously, and, and understanding of like, like space qualities. Um, typically, they have a lot of plants. Um, they very hospitable and, and they basically kind of inspired us to create the guidelines that we created. Um, and so I've seen amazing hosts and, and we created like best practices for our super hosts based on our experience with those hosts. They kind of ta taught us how to create an amazing Cody. Um, and then we, we try to kind of communicate that experience and those um, tips uh, to the rest of the hosting community so that you and me, who are maybe not as great designers as the, the, the top hosts that we, we've encountered, can have access to that knowledge and like better better design our home or the space that is dedicated to Cody um, so that members love it and you will be able to retain members better and have um, a great rating. So it sounds like designers are, are pretty popular on, on the host side for all the point for all the reasons you kind of mentioned but on the uh, on the worker side the, the people who are you know visiting these Cody's and working in these Cody's um, if you had to like think about all the, the people you've seen using Cody and, and all the stories you might have heard, what are some like defining characteristics of the people who are just like most absolutely loving the Cody experience versus people who are like trying it out and, and thinking like, oh, this, this is like pretty good. But like the people who really love it, what, what do you think are some of the defining characteristics of them? I think they are very... Um, tied to the to the neighborhood, they really um, appreciate the kind of like the walking biking concept of like walk or bike to work, um, and enjoy that time that commute time, which is short, but it's a it's a short commute time in your neighborhood, and you can stop at your favorite coffee shop, get your coffee, and then you arrive in the Cody. That piece of the day when you go to the Cody and come back from the Cody is um, is a really great moment. And I think that's kind of a consistent feedback we had from, from members who love Cody. Um, it's about feeling very ingrained in the community and in the neighborhood and being able to just stay um, locally and really enjoy the neighborhood. Second, for the B2C platform, the direct-to-consumer, um, typically people are sociable. Uh, they like to be around other people and meet new people. And what they love about Cody is that it actually connects you with um, great professionals that you would never suspect live right next to you, either the host or the members. Now we have rules obviously about like quiet workspaces. Um, so during the day, nobody's like just chatting like this, but there's always like the coffee break and the, the lunch break, which are a very precious moments for the Kudi community because you can have a random chat with a great professional. Um, and typically you can see the LinkedIn profile before you go uh, once you booked. And so it creates really, really cool connections uh, that way. So uh, last question here, and then I'll give you uh, the, the chance to kind of point people to where they can go and, and learn more about Cody and things like that. But, um, you know, I, I think, like I've said a, a few times, I think uh, it's, it's a fascinating concept and uh, I'm really optimistic that, that you can make it succeed in, in a very large way, uh, you know, and, hopefully have a ton of Cody's in the future and a ton of people working in Cody's and maybe establish it as uh, you know, one of those leading, if not the leading alternatives that people have. And we'll find hopefully a lot more people working in each other's homes versus in 
you know, their own homes by themselves or in co-working spaces or offices or whatever it might be. Uh, but I'm curious, you know, as a founder, uh, obviously like you're, you're quite young and, and started this kind of right after school. Uh, I'm curious to know what has been uh, kind of one of the most, most enjoyable aspects of, of being a founder. I know it can be a, a frustrating and difficult position to be in for sure. And there's certainly a ton of challenges, but what kind of keeps you going and has been like one of the highlights of your experience leading a company? And then kind of the second part of it is like, what do you look forward to in the future as, as you can hopefully build this into a much larger thing? That's a great question. Um, I think the most exciting thing for me to be from my experience being a founder so far has been two things like one seeing the the impact of your company and so when you meet a member or a host who's super happy uh, i'm just so grateful that i'm being able to like um have an impact on their lives and um positive obviously um that's extremely rewarding uh, for any founder, I think, to hear the stories of your members and your hosts and, and how they, they, they love it. Um, every time that happens, I, I'm, I'm a host myself and I try to, to go to Kudi as many times as possible um, and meet with as many hosts as possible as well. Um, and I love just understanding why they, they, they're doing this and, um, and meeting them. So that's like, that's been amazing. I've met so many incredible people. And I've actually got to know San Francisco way more <laughs> because I moved to San Francisco and launched Cody. And so I explored all the neighborhoods that way and met so many locals that way. Uh, second is uh, my team. It's my first time starting a company and I, I've been blessed with incredible people um, who for some reason joined me in this adventure um, and are building this very exciting business and platform uh, and community uh, with me. And so every day I just have a lot of fun working with them. Um, and um, I think that's an amazing uh, part of being a founder is build your own team and, and be surrounded with incredible people. Um, so that's like to reply to your first question around uh, what I enjoyed the most as a founder. What I'm looking Looking forward to uh, in the future is definitely seeing Cody um, accessible in many, many more places in the U.S. and then abroad. Um, we, we, that's our vision. We want anyone to be able to walk to work, whatever the neighborhood is. Uh, so it's very inclusive, basically. You don't need to live in a, in a downtown area. You don't need to live in a, even in a big city. You can be in a random town in a random state in the US and have access to Cody, that's a dream. Um, so I'm looking forward to expand uh, as much as possible and work more with, I'm excited about the enterprise partnerships because you can have more impact faster and really tailor the locations where employees live um, and recreate the company culture. And that's very fascinating to me. Yeah, that's awesome. I think those are uh, great great highlights from your experience that that you love and it, and it makes a lot of sense and then uh the vision i can certainly see unfolding so we'll be uh we'll be curious to kind of watch the progress as you go and and rooting for you guys all along the way um thank you so much again christelle for coming on today and and talking with me about your company and your story um where can people you know in closing go and and uh you know follow cody as as it kind of grows and, and follow you and just kind of stay in the loop on all of this
Yeah, thanks for asking. Um, so people can just go to Cody.com. Um, if you want to have access to Cody, if you don't see a Cody around you, uh, you can fill out the form, especially if you are with a team. Uh, you want to convince your, your coworkers or your HR manager to give you access to Cody. We can unlock a Cody anywhere because there are homes anywhere near any home. Um, so we'll be happy to unlock locations for you. So go to Cody.com and fill out the form uh, if you don't find the space already uh, in there. And then to follow us, like Twitter is a good place. Um, and then Instagram, um, Cody Work, at Cody Work is our handle.